Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. All right, hello. We're here again. So... Yeah, we're talking about things again. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. And sorry about the the delay in releases. We had an issue with the <laughs> podcast host that we use. Mm-hmm. So we didn't forget to send out the episode. It just didn't post for some reason. So we're getting that yeah. fixed. <laughs> yeah. So the last episode might be even later than we, we hoped it was. Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, uh, one of the lovely directors is chasing that up and hopefully it won't be a problem for too much longer so hopefully so with this week or whenever you end up listening to it i suppose uh we've decided to take inspiration from something that's happening currently even if i personally think it shouldn't be happening right now but that's a different matter <laughs> uh, uh we're talking about the 2020 olympics taking place in 2021 because covid yep um, I mean, yeah, but like I said, I, I don't know if we should be jumping straight back into big televised sport events. And not just like the Olympics, I just don't think yeah. we should be doing them just yet. But I I get it. People want to get on with their lives. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a toss-up. Like, on the one hand, I agree with you. I I don't know that necessarily, like, a big sporting event like this where people from literally all over the world are getting together is necessarily the best idea when we're like barely, barely out of a pandemic. Barely. I mean, <laughs> I mean to be fair, right now in the UK, we're, we're, we are like winding down on restrictions and stuff. And as expected, so many more cases have come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just in my workplace alone, we had... Over 25 people off isolating because people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, the same I, over here. People, things have started opening up and mm, there's more cases now because things are opening yeah. up. Yeah, which, I mean, makes sense. Obviously, more people are going to be interacting, but there are definitely people who are not being as cautious as they could be, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And then, I mean, there's people like me where, like, I'm still not going anywhere, pretty much. I go to work. My my only possible exposure would be from someone at work. Mm. And then after Uh, that, I go home. (laughs) And all mm. my friends that I spend a lot of time with are ones I spend a lot of time with online. (laughs) Like Russ or or our Uh, other friends in Nerdsmith. So I'm like, eh, I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, to be fair... (laughs) To be fair, I was always, you know, like online kind of thing as well. I su- I suppose I do miss meeting the few people that I used to meet up with, like in like in person. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that it's just something I have to deal with. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, that's a different topic. But, but so, so yeah, Olympics. So yeah, the Olympics are currently happening. They're in Tokyo this time. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's Tokyo. This Tokyo, time. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, we were supposed to be the 2020 Games, which 
uh, couldn't happen because of massive COVID restrictions and lockdowns and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we decided to cover a little bit of Olympic history, uh, both the modern Olympic Games, which is what we currently play as you know modern every yeah. four years uh is well every four years there's a new event for the summer olympic games and then every four years there's another there's an event for the, for the winter olympics and they inter, interlock every two years apart um mm-hmm. so that's current that is what the, the current schedule is but they're still both for four years apart but they just you know they spread each other out so we don't have to yeah, well, they had much. to start doing that at one point because there's so many events now that are recognized mm-hmm. by the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, um, yes, w- as which being is... valid sporting events to have yeah. on the docket, that they had to split it up because there's too many if you do both at the same time. Plus, you can't really, like, in most cases, you couldn't have both sets of... um events going on at the same time because of weather requirements for the different events. Yeah. Uh, so, well, obviously the Winter Olympics need fairly cold temperatures mm-hmm. and, like, some need, like, toboggan-like places and sleds mm-hmm. and all of that good stuff. And then the other ones, you know, like, swimming and, you know, mm-hmm. running. Running wouldn't be all that fun. In the snow, no. I don't think. So, you know. Uh, speaking of the IOC, um, like you said, they came about in 1894, which is, and the first modern Olympic Games kit was brought into uh, brought to the public in 1896, and that was take that one took place in Athens, which is a sort of hallmark of where the other ones all took place in Greece. Which is where the mm-hmm. uh, the ancient Olympic Games uh, were held in Olympia in Greece, and they went from the about the eighth century BC to the fourth century AD, not fourth century BC, which is what I first read it as. <laughs> so yeah, uh, about eleven hundred years. Eleven, those ones. To, yeah, eleven hundred to twelve hundred years. Is how long it was running? Mm-hmm. Roughly, they some people still think it went a little bit later than that, but there's no solid proof. Yeah, like, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, as for events and stuff, I suppose for the current events, uh, in twenty sixteen, as a good sort of thing, over fourteen thousand athletes competed in the Summer Olympics in twenty sixteen and the twenty eighteen Winter Olympics combined, and there are thirty five different sports in that, with over four hundred events being broken out of those thirty five sports. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's a big list. Yeah, which you know, like we said, it's it's why they have to have it broken up into summer and winter, mm-hmm. like among other things beyond just the weather. Like, could you imagine if the Olympics went on for that long? <laughs> It'd be so long. It's already long anyway. It lasts, I think, like two weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's longer. No, I've got to be honest. It's around um, two weeks, but yeah, I mean, the competitions are going on like. Mm-hmm. large chunks of the day so should we cover the ancient olympic games i think in the first half for the next little bit because you know that would make sense mm-hmm. sure all right yeah so uh we've already said that they started in about eight b uh eight eight century bc 
they were originally held to honor Zeus, the Greek god of gods, who we've mentioned before in our Pantheon episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. And there's some debate over the exact historical origin of the Olympic Games in terms of, I mean, it's always been recognized as being something in honor of Zeus and the other Greek mm-hmm. gods. But, you know, in terms of historically, like what event or what um, what festival or whatever actually became the Olympics, there's a couple of different legends of what started them. Um, which, of course, anyone who's ever studied Greek mythology, that probably doesn't surprise you because mm-hmm. anytime you find something, there's usually a couple variations of the myth. Yeah. So, um, one of the many uh, or possible origins, um, it's really not easy to tell you know which one is actually correct um there is an ancient greek his a greek historian um pausanias i'm not 100 sure i'm saying these right who um talks about a dactyl which was a a archaic mythical race associated with um the gods kind of like titans but not titans um and apparently there was an ancient dactyl named heracles not Hercules, but um, a different person. And he mm-hmm. had four brothers, uh, Paeneus, Epimedius, or Epimedes, um, Iasius, and Idas. And they raced at Olympia, where Mount Olympus is, to entertain Zeus right after he was born. And then baby Zeus crowned the victor with an olive wreath. Okay. <clears throat> So that's, you know, there there were the four brothers who competed, and that's why there's the four years in between, um, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And uh, that the other Olympian gods at the same time were also engaged in wrestling and jumping and running contests. All right, so another sort of method for the origin is the story of Pelops, a local uh, Olympian hero. Uh, oh, Onenomaeus? Onenomaeus? Um, maybe. Onomaus? Onomaus? Maybe. Onomaus? Uh, I don't know how to say that. A name? Uh, O-E-N-O-M-A-U-S? Onomaeus, maybe? Uh, yeah, maybe. It, it's... I don't know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he was king of uh, Pisa. Uh, had an order name. Oh, dear. Hippodania. Uh, Hippodania. That was not quite as bad. And according to an oracle, the king would be killed by her husband. Therefore, he decreed that any young man who wanted to marry his daughter was required to drive away with her in his chariot. And uh, Anemias would follow in another chariot and spear the suitor if he he caught up with them. Now, the king's chariot horses were a present from the god Poseidon and therefore supernaturally fast. Uh, Poseidon, god of the seas, if you didn't watch our previous one uh, episode about that kind of thing. Uh, the king sort of fell in love with a man called Pelops. Sorry, Pelops. Uh, before the race, however, Pelops uh, persuaded uh, uh, Anemaeus's uh, charioteer Meotius to replace the bronze axle pins that the king's charioteer would wax one. So the 
naturally during the race, the wax melted and the king fell from his chariot and was killed. And after his victory, Pelops organized chariot races as a thanksgiving to the gods and as a funeral games in honor of the king. Even though he kind of set him up to kill himself mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to be, uh, to be purified on his death. Uh, all right, so. Yep. And, and then um, there's a later myth that uh, is attributed to Pindar, who was an ancient mm-hmm. Greek poet. Mm-hmm. And he talks about uh, the festival at Olympia involving Heracles, this time the actual son of Zeus, Heracles or Hercules. And that according to Pindar, Heracles established the athletic festival to honor his father, Zeus. Okay. Simple and sweet. Yep, uh, they're all, so all of these ones have their roots in religion, specifically revolving around Zeus, a lot Mm -hmm. of them. And uh, as for the actual original sort of games, uh, in the first few games, like first 13 specifically, there was only one event that was actually ran, uh, and it was ran because it was uh, called the Stade. Or, or Stadion, which was an Olympic running event, part of the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, started with just a single foot race, and the program gradually increased to have over 23 contests. So, uh, and it added them pretty much randomly as, as the years went on. Like in the 14th one, they added the Duelius, which was a, a double stallion a stadium race. 400 meters so again just uh, more races uh, a lot of long distance races for, for the first things mm-hmm. um, um, another important thing to note is that the original so we kind of mentioned it with the mythology but the original olympic games held a lot of religious significance this mm-hmm. was a big deal to them this was these men that were because it was only men at that point these oh, men man. that were competing in these different athletic events were there competing to like show the best that they could be to honor their god to honor zeus this was like a big deal um however for the first roughly 200 years it was mostly just regional it only had regional religious importance and if you look at the records of the roughly first 200 years of the game you can tell that um most of the athletes who were competing were just around olympia because um, only Peloponnesian or, you know, local athletes won any of the competitions. <laughs> there's there's no winners from other parts of Greece because no. it was mostly local at that point. And then it started spreading. Yes. Wonderful. So, also, fun little fact, something we talked about before we started because we couldn't figure out if it was something we or mm-hmm. something Heather had heard that wasn't true mm-hmm. or if it was true and uh, as far as we can tell it is for the most of the history of the um, ancient Olympic Games uh, the Olympic events were performed in the nude mm-hmm. um, uh, per- Zanis? Zanis? I, I think it's Pausanias I'm not sure Pausanias Okay, I can see that Pausanias says that the first naked runner was Aristippus, uh, and one of the standard races in 720 BC, who simply lost his garment on purpose because it made running easier without it. And in the 5th century BC, another historian, Thic- 
Thucydides. 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 Uh, Credited the Spartans introducing them. Uh, the custom of, quote, publicly stripping and anointing themselves with oil in their gymnastic exercises. Formerly, even in the Olympic contest, the athletes who contended, uh, contended wore belts around their middles, but it, uh, and it uh, is but a few years since the practice ceased. Right, so, so the initial games, people were wearing clothing, and then in 720 BC, someone decided to run around naked because he thought it was easier to move, and at that point, all the athletes were like, oh yeah, that's a good idea, and stopped wearing their clothes. <laughs> yeah, it just became a bit more of a naked fest, which I, I guess is fine, you know, mm-hmm. if that's if that's what you want to be doing with your time. Yeah, I mean, you do you. <laughs> I'm sure, hey, I'm sure they all looked really good. <laughs> if they're if they're Olympic athletes, I'm sure they all look great. So yeah, and then other uh, uh, things that got added were combat events, like wrestling and boxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they added discus, uh, with which is similar to the modern competition, uh, where they just throw <laughs> they throw a stone. Oh <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, then there was the long jump added, and then the pentathlon, uh, and like, and then the equestrian events with horses and all that good stuff. Yes, and so, for anyone uh, who isn't familiar with the pentathlon, it was mm-hmm. a competition made up of five events, hence pentathlon. It mm-hmm. was running, long jump, discus throw, javelin throw, and wrestling. Um, and it's said to have first appeared in the 18th Olympiad in 708 BC. Um. Was held on a single day, um, but they don't have a lot of information on how the victor was decided, because I'm, you know, most likely the same person didn't win all five of those events. And, so how I do you mean, pick the winner? Uh, I suppose you just mark down how, like how everyone did in each event, and then tally up who got the most points. Uh, you see, this is what the modern Olympics is for. <laughs> They weren't thinking about points back then. They were thinking about being naked and doing sports. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so... Uh, is there anything else we wanted to mention about the ancient Olympics? I think we've covered most everything. I mean, I think we covered or, the, the big things. Yeah, yeah. I the think high points. The things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so, yeah. All right, well... We're already at that kind of point, so I guess this is a fairly good point to go into our mid-roll, uh, where you feel free to skip or listen to us, whichever one you do, mm-hmm. and we'll be back in a couple of minutes with some modern, modern, modern Olympic stuff. So we'll see you all in just a sec, guys. Alright everyone, welcome to the mid-roll. So I'm going to start off by talking about World Anvil, which... It's ironic that we're talking about World Anvil when we're also talking about a big world event. But Yeah, um, I like it. <laughs> me too. World Anvil is by far the most robust and complete campaign management and um, story management software that exists. We like we cannot talk about them enough, talk them up enough. There are so many different features that you can do. It's a website, worldanvil.com. You can go sign up for free. They have a free membership you can sign up for, and then you can get a sort of a taste of all of the amazing features they have and see if you want to expand and sign up for one of the paid memberships after that. But there's so many things you can do with World Anvil. It, it allows you to build out your world. You can create basically a wiki of your world. You can create all of these different articles and link different characters to different articles. 
and you can create relationship links between characters and you can create a timeline of the world and you can make different journal articles and if you for certain paid membership levels there's even a um, like a, almost like a social media for the characters so basically you can have like an entire campaign run through world anvil in terms of all of the information being stored and kept and it's just so incredibly robust and they have also a there's a version you can use for authors and then there's another one they have specifically for game masters so you can also use it to flesh out your world if you're an author you know with a, a nice robust history running around in your brain but you want to put it on paper so that you have it or you know keep your timeline straight as you're creating these stories for your audience that kind of thing so it's definitely worth checking out that's worldanvil.com yes it's a wonderful service uh, we've been using it uh, a lot in our latest uh, game, campaign run on my Friday games uh, and it's so much fun to mm -hmm. fill it out it's just even as a player and like just seeing all the world building that, we've, that we're doing together it's great other people we love are the fun folks over at Die Hard Dice Castle Die Hard at DieHardDice.com uh, they have amazing wonderful gorgeous dice uh, both metal sets and polymer sets they have their own molds that they've been working for for, for years now which they use the, both their metal dice and their polymer ones now they have so many different designs they've got their spellbinder series which are dual colors uh, sort of mixed into uh, the, the, um, the side of the dies along with their uh, multi-class uh, d20s which split in half and use magnetics to click together so you can literally have two different sides of, the, of each dice it's amazing they've got great accessories like their little metal meeples their scrolls of rolling their pop-up dice trays if you need that uh, dice bags uh, they've got they've got everything that you're going to need to get started and even more and your wallet is going to cry but you're going to be happy because you've got dice uh, but your wallet's not going to cry quite as much because you can use the code NerdSmith. Is it just NerdSmith still? I think it's still, yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's still NerdSmith, yeah. Just NerdSmith. For July, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, NerdSmith for 10% off your, your, your next order. They have free shipping in the US and discounted shipping internationally, which is super, super wonderful. We love them. Uh, we've been using their dice for years now, and I, I'm not going to be stopping anytime soon. So, yeah. Feel free to check them out at dieharddice.com Okay, so now that we've done the bit where we talk about the people we really like um, We will get back into the the rest of the, the episode So we'll see what you just say um, Alright, welcome back everybody Welcome, welcome So, um, we, one thing we forgot to mention in the first half is that the Ancient Olympic Games ended around 393 AD. Um, mm -hmm. That's the most commonly cited end date because that's when the Roman emperor Theodosius I decreed that all pagan cults and practices were to be eliminated. Because at that point, the Romans had switched from the you know, um, polytheistic um, pantheons of, you know, something similar the to the greeks mm -hmm. they switched from that and they had become started becoming you know the holy roman catholic church with one god situation yeah so they they yeah so, so it was it was cast aside for for 
basically pol political, religious reasons, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and was remained like that until, like we said, with the International Olympic Committee, uh, which founded itself in 1894, and it led to the first modern Olympic Games in Athens, in Greece, to represent why it started two years later in 19, in 1896. Yeah, and it's, oh, there goes my cat. <laughs> There's Mowgli. Yeah. Its original revival um, actually started a little before then, the, like the very beginnings oh. of it, because it happened after the Greek War of Independence from the Ottoman Empire in 1821. Mm. And at that point, a lot of um, the Greeks, you know, the uh, talked about wanting to, you know, sort of revive their own country, um, patriotism and everything and one of the things that was mentioned um in particularly in 1856 evangelos zappas a wealthy greek romanian philanthropist uh, wrote to king otto of greece at the time um, about funding a revival of the olympic games but the first olympic games um, in 1859 they were held in athens and it was only athletes from Greece and the Ottoman Empire that participated. So it wasn't like the true international uh, Olympics like international what we have Olympic now. Games, yeah. mm. um, and they held a couple more where again it was only it was really only them. Um, mm -hmm. And then in 1890 after attending the Olympian Games of the Wenlock Olympian Society um, Pierre de Coubertin? De Coubertin. Yeah, Baron Pierre de Coubertin. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing. Uh, I don't speak French. I mean, uh, <laughs> yes, he's French. He's a French educator and historian. Mm -hmm. um, uh, was inspired to fund uh, to found the International Olympic Committee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he built on the ideas of a couple of other people, including Zappas who had started sort of small ones, but he wanted yeah. it to be actually international and include all the countries. Yeah, and uh, also wanted to keep in the, the theme of it running every four years like it had prior, mm -hmm. uh, which hadn't happened with these revivals, but yeah, so. And then that led into the 1896 games that mm -hmm. Russ mentioned. Um, there have been a lot of changes over the years. I mean, you'd hope so. In, <laughs> uh, just just over a hundred and so years. Hundred and twenty-five years. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. no. Well, the the ease of actual international competition is also different um, in the modern era versus you know, mm. even back in like the 50s and 60s it wasn't as easy for people from all countries to participate you know planes couldn't go as far and they weren't no. as um readily available yeah and ships were slow and not mm -hmm. always the safest mm -hmm. looking at you titanic <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, but in the first game in the eighteen in eighteen ninety six, uh, it was brought games brought together fourteen different nations with two hundred and forty one athletes, and they completed in forty three different events. Uh, so, and mm -hmm. yeah, 
Greek officials and the public were enthusiastic about the experience of hosting the uh, the uh, hosting an Olympic Games. This feeling was shared by many of the athletes, who even demanded that Athens uh, be the permanent uh, Olympic city to host. Uh, but the IOC intended for subsequent games to be rotated to various host cities around the world, and the second one was held in Paris, which we still do today. We uh, many countries put bids in for when they want to and can afford to host the Olympic Games because it's not a cheap thing to do. <laughs> Correct. Well, and it's not just the country. It's it's individual cities also. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the... Uh, after 1896 and the success there, um, the Olympics actually, it stagnated a little bit in terms of popularity. Mm. Um and the games that were held at the Paris Exposition and the Louisiana Purchase Exposition in St. Louis in 1904 didn't attract nearly as much notice or participation. Um, in fact, in 1904, the Olympics that were held in St. Louis, there were 650 athletes who competed and 580 of them were American. <laughs> I just read the sentence after that. <laughs> The winner of the marathon was later disqualified upon discovery of a photograph of him riding in a cartoon in the race. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know that. Oh, wow. I didn't know that oh. either, but it's pretty, that is pretty funny. Um, That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and the games rebounded with the 1906 uh, inter Games, so-called because they were the second Olympics to take place within the third Olympiad. Oh, okay. And they were held in Athens, and these games attracted a broad international field of participants and generated a great deal of public interest again. Mm-hmm. So, and then the 1906 were officially recognised uh, by the AOC at the time, although not any longer, and, and uh, no intercalated games have been held since. So, and then. And then the Winter Olympics was created to feature snow and ice sports, with, which were logistically mm-hmm. impossible to behold during the Summer Games. Uh, figure skating in 1908 and 1920, and ice hockey in 1920 were featured as Olympic events at the Summer Olympics. Right. And nowadays, this is something where, um, obviously, there are certain things that you still can't easily do without mm. a lot of technology. Um, like, with the Winter Games, you still can't do, like, ski. some of the modern stuff we have now, like... Um, skiing and stuff you can't really do that without snow so yeah you have to be difficult yeah you have to either be somewhere that has snow or you have to Mm -hmm. be somewhere where if you create snow it doesn't insta melt (laughs) yeah which not everywhere is you know good at that bit Mm -hmm. and that's also why um it's you know very different cities will often be picked for the summer and winter games like, I think the Winter Games, I don't remember what year it was, but they were in Salt Lake City, Utah. And Utah has a lot of mountains and cold. <laughs> so they were able to make it work. Yeah, works out pretty well. Uh, as for, like, the sort of growth scale, which we've done, so obviously we just mentioned that in the last uh, 1906 Olympics that they started to get the popularity. From the first event in uh, 1896, there were 14 nations and about 250 participants. Going to 2016, which was the latest one before the current one, so we can't get stats for that one, uh, there are 11,200 competitors uh, representing 207 different nations of the world, mm-hmm. which is a bit bonkers. Uh, and uh, but the, and the, scale, the, the scope of scale for the Winter Olympics is a little smaller. 
Uh, Pyeongchang hosted 2,922 athletes from 92 nations in 2018. See it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's definitely grown, and there have definitely been controversies throughout the years. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's no big surprise, I'm sure, to anyone that despite the fact that part of the idea behind the Olympics is supposed to be that, that, you know, it's not a political thing. It's literally just people getting together and to compete and celebrate athleticism and all that kind of stuff. But in reality, of course, people bring politics into it. Politics gets involved in everything because that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Yeah, and I mean, there's some famous ones. Um, Obviously, there have been several times over the, the years where one country or more has boycotted the Olympics for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was one where, uh, there, or there are a couple, actually I'd have to find the years again, uh, looking at the notes. Oh, here it is. Uh, 72 and 76. In 72 and 76, a lot of the African countries threatened to boycott in order to force them to ban South Africa and Rhodesia from competing because South Africa and Rhodesia were both segregationist. So basically the other African, a lot of the other African countries got together and said, we're gonna boycott unless you ban these two countries that are doing something that's really awful. There was also three boycotts from the 1956 Melbourne Olympics, which are the Netherlands, Spain, and Switzerland, and they refused to attend because of the uh, repossession, uh, repossession of the Hungarian uprising, uh, repression, sorry, of the Hungarian uprising by the Soviet Union, but they did send an equestrian delegation to Stockholm and Cambodia. Mm-hmm. So, and then um, yeah. there's other ones, like uh, the Republic of China um, was excluded in 1976 um, by the order of the Prime Minister of Canada Um, and specifically it was Taiwan because they were trying to ban China from competing yeah and then in 18 and 1984 the Cold War opponents boycotted each other's games Mm -hmm. Uh, the United States of 65 other countries boycotted the Moscow Olympics in 1992 because of the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan and the boycott reduced uh, the number of nations participated to 80 the lowest number since 1956 Uh, and then the Soviet Union and 15 other nations countered by boycotting the Los Angeles one uh, in 1984 so um so yeah politics always finds a way to get into it um i did uh want to mention the cost of the games because i saw it a little bit ago uh just a sort of thing uh since 1960 sports related the cost for the summer games were on average about 5.2 billion dollars mm. uh, uh for the for the summer games and for the winter games it's about 3.1 billion and these figures don't include wider infrastructure costs like roads, urban rail and airports which often cost much more than the sports related costs uh, the most expensive summer games uh, um, currently was Beijing in 2008 uh, which spent about 40 to 44 billion dollars on their things mm-hmm. and the most expensive winter games was Sochi in 2014 with a 51 billion spent uh, so yeah and so the cost per athlete uh, on average 
uh, it as of twenty sixteen was five hundred ninety nine thousand uh, for the summer games and one point three four million for the winter games. For London, it uh, in twenty twelve it was one point four million and uh, the figure of nine point uh, was seven point nine million for Sochi in twenty fourteen. So, yeah, it's incredibly expensive to host. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, it is. It's very expensive. But, the, you know, one of the many reasons that cities still want to is because despite the cost, usually there's so much tourism Yeah, that it brings and... in tons and tons of people. And now, unfortunately for Tokyo, that's not happening. I mean, there's still going to be no. there's still going to be tourists, but they're not getting nearly as many as they would have. Because under no, no under normal circumstances, yeah, right. Because under normal circumstances, there would be audience members filling the stands during mm. all of these competitions. But right now, they're not allowing that in order to try to protect everyone as much as possible, since COVID is still not mm. completely off the table. And no. because uh, of that, and then... Tokyo will probably not make as much money as they were hoping to. Um, I do well, know that well. you know one thing that <laughs> one thing that the Japanese do really really well, in my opinion, is uh, merchandising. <laughs> yeah, I was actually just about to mention that uh, merchandise is obviously a big way for them to recoup a lot of that money, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they like like mascots and anything anything you can buy. <laughs> I remember yeah. uh, in obviously I don't live in London, but even. Even just in the UK in general, it was everywhere. Like sticker albums, trading cards, plushies of the the mascots for the twenty twelve Olympics specifically. Like there was the collectible fifty p coins. I don't know if you ever have that kind of thing where you have coins which you collect and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was yeah there was so much. But I'm sure Japan do it way better for, for so. Well, and they. They created two actually really cute little mascots for the 2020 Olympics. They actually have two. They did one for the 2020 Olympics, and then they did one for um, the Paralympics. Paralympics. So they have Mirai Toa for the Summer Olympics, and then they have Someti for the um, Summer Olympics, Paralympics. Well, that's cute. Since they're both being held in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And they're these uh, cute little like figurines with like, almost like bunny ears on them. They look like a cross between, um, like some they they kind of look like a, like a chibi or cutesy version of something you would see in like a, a magic girl type of anime or um, like a Gundam type of anime. Oh yeah, it's cool. Um. um uh... But yeah, they've created like whole stories behind these little fictional characters, like that they both have teleportation abilities. Oh, that's cool. Uh, the UK actually did something really similar with uh, when they in twenty twelve they had two sort of uh, mascots. I don't know if they're necessarily as cute, uh, but they would, had Wenlo- Wenlock and Mandeville. <laughs> I would argue they're not as cute um, personally. <laughs> no, uh, I, I I liked the look of Mandeville at the time, which. Um, I'm not really sure what you could describe them as, to be quite honest. They're, they're, oh, they are. They are pretty cute. They're, 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 they're like 8-bit chibi kind of things. Mm-hmm. They're cool. They've got like a checkerboard okay. pattern. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mirai Toa is blue, blue and white. And then um, Someti is 
pink and white. Her pattern, um, her design actually, they have said was inspired by cherry blossoms. Oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. And I assume there's like many plushes or figures or everything about these guys. So there's so much merchandise, you don't even understand. Oh, so they're they have a Kuji. Like, mm-hmm. tons and tons of merchandising has been done for these in order for, I'm sure at least a large portion of it is for Japan to try to make up some of the loss that they're going to have from not having the people. Although, knowing in Japan, they probably would have had all this stuff anyway. But they've got plushies. Oh, they've got, like, plushy backpacks. They've got a Kuji. Oh, wow. um, a Kuji is a Japanese lottery. Um, but it's different than our lotteries over here. It's basically, like, a big box full of tickets. And each ticket has either a number or a letter, which tells you what prize you won. And then they have, like, this big pot of prizes that go with the tickets. And, like, prizes A, B, and C might be plushies. It's that kind of a thing. So, like, that's the big prize. And then, like, one of the prizes... Kind of like a a lucky dip kind of thing, I guess? I'm not sure what that is. Um, (laughs) Okay. But so it's it's like you you pull out one of the tickets, you open it up, and let's say you got letter D. So maybe D isn't one of the top three prizes, but it's like a mug. So like D do, will do be you some always sort of, get something. Yes, you always get something. Oh, okay. But what it was, you so, get? It, it sounded a bit. Oh, sorry. It sounded a little bit similar to Tombola's, but there, there are tickets for which don't win things in there. So oh no. But, okay, that's one good. of the nice that's things cool. about the Japanese Kujis is that you always get something for your ticket. Now, what you get for your ticket is not necessarily the thing you wanted. A lot of times there's things like the lowest level prizes will be things like keychains or um, sometimes it'll be like binder folders or like little, little, small, like paper sized posters, things like that. So they're not like as long as you're a fan of whatever it is you're buying the tickets for, it's not a bad prize, just not what you wanted, probably. And obviously, there'll be more of those smaller prizes to make up the cost mm-hmm. of the bigger one. Exactly. Kind of yeah, yeah. Most of the prizes are small. Some of them are what's called mm-hmm. blind boxes, where there's multiple okay. patterns, but you don't know which one is inside the box you're picking. Okay, yeah. Um, there's things like that. But they have a they have a major Kuji going on that has tons of prizes for that are all are based around the two um, the two mascots and they also have um gachapon um gachapon so that's the like like when you put 50 cents into a little vending machine thing at the grocery store and you get out like a a A sticker or a tattoo or something yeah yeah, it's like that except that you can get little figures oh okay and they've got little figures that show them doing different things it's really cute like different sports and stuff. I, mm-hmm. I assume that would be yeah. That would be the the obvious thing to go for with the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen those sort of like uh, toy vendor things, like where you put like a coin in. They're a um, they're a big thing over in Japan. There's a lot of them that have um, various uh, like fandoms. So like they. Ha- the, the here hold on i'm sending you pictures just so i can I, you guys can't see the pictures unfortunately but i'm sending them to russ so that he has an idea like this is a picture of a wall of gachapon in japan like oh Lord. It, it's like a big thing that people do over <laughs> there um yeah. so you might pay like three dollars or something but then you get to win hold on i have a picture of the kuji or not the kuji the um 
the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. But then you get like in a little UK, figurine. We... Yeah, yeah. Uh, we definitely have things like this in the UK. They are normally like at bowling alleys or like arcades and stuff. No, th- there will be like, um, there's stores where there will be a section where you just have, you know, a bunch of gachapon uh for people to play basically because i mean it is a little bit of a crapshoot because you never know exactly which one you're going to get out of the machine but yeah um Um, yeah good lord that's so many (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah like the most you'll see in like like maybe bowling alleys is you'll see like one like which has maybe eight different options and they're all like like different sort of franchises and stuff like that but that is immense that's a lot that's yeah. <laughs> this is the one I'm the picture I'm sending you now. This is a department store, like a section of a department mm-hmm. store that's full of about three thousand of them. It's taking a long time to load. It's a big picture. <laughs> oh wow. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> that's Okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot. But, you know, it's things like that. They're doing a lot of the, a lot of licensed merch with the two um, mascots yeah, yeah. is going all over. So that'll help make up the cost a lot. But yeah, like, oh, like sure. Russ said, they're very expensive to run. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, we were talking about the political things. So... Another thing that has happened in the past, besides the boycotting, is demonstrations at the games, which are discouraged generally. It's not usually something people um, encourage happening, but it definitely has happened over the years. And um, one of the ones that, I mean, there's a lot of them. There was, uh, obviously there was things that happened during Nazi Germany, um yeah you know for instance uh, he (laughs) at the games that were held in 1936 in germany um you know it's known that hitler initially was only talking to the um the winners from germany until basically the committee the olympic committee went to him and were like you can't do that you have to either say shake hands when say hello to everyone or you have to leave them all alone so he opted to say nothing to any of them for the rest of the games. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. He, you know, he, he had his own he had his own things going on. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that gets talked about quite often also is the fact that um <laughs> I think it's awesome. Um some of the American athletes who won because, you know, the whole, the games were very like, look how amazing our Aryan pride is. Look how amazing Germany is. But some of the American the athletes that won were African-American. Yeah, so they were African-American. Uh, and he was not happy. No. He was very not happy about that. So, but, you know, good on him. Stick it to the man. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, not really sure what else there was. I think we've covered a good deal of things at this point. We have. Um, there is one other, there's one political thing that happened that I like to, that, you know, I always think of when I think of the Olympics, um, partly because, so for anyone who doesn't know, 
who hasn't heard me mention it in a different episode, my father taught at San Jose State University here in California. And um, one of the many, many things that you'll find on campus, like artwork-wise, is a statue dedicated to the 1968 Olympics where um, two American runners won first and third place in a track and field event. It was, um, let's see, it was the 200 meter, the 200 meter dash in the 1968 Summer Olympics. And it, uh, the two winners, uh, the gold medalist was Tommy Smith. The bronze medalist mm. was um, John Carlos. But they were both African-American athletes, and they were actually both San Jose State college students. And at the end, when they won, it's a, a really famous image, but both of them had one glove on, and they raised their fists in the air. Um, the two of them on the first and third spot and they've said since then many times over that they weren't trying to be they weren't trying to be super political about it even though it came across that way and in hindsight they were like yeah we kind of get why they thought of that but they were trying to more use it as a demonstration of like empowerment like look we did it yeah they weren't trying to necessarily like like there was some politicalness to it but they weren't trying to be rude about it. it. It was more like, look, we did it. That was their thinking on it. Um, yeah. And so they each wore one glove from a set of black gloves. One raised his right fist, one raised his left fist. And the yeah, yeah. the second place winner, whose name I always forget, uh, um, he was a someone from Austria. And he actually was like ostracized by by people they were really really unhappy with what he did um to the point where he like never competed in the games again even though he qualified multiple times well because he actually he supported them and he didn't want to take their medals away when the olympic committee kicked them out and actually the olympic committee went to the u.s team and basically said you have to like you have to kick them out this is unacceptable this isn't supposed to be political all that kind of stuff and initially the olympic the u.s team said no we're not going to do that but then they threatened to kick out the entire u.s team um Mm -hmm. if they didn't so at that point they had to because they would the entire u.s track team would have been banned not just the two of them so they didn't have a lot of choices um but that's horrible. Yeah. Peter Norman, that was his name. He was the Australian, sorry, not Australian. He was the Australian sprinter who came second in the race and he he supported them. He was he had no issues with what they did. He actually apparently was the one who suggested that they each wear one glove, but he was ostracized oh. by the Australian media and he never competed in the games again even though he like he qualified in 1972 but he wasn't sent to the games and when australia hosted the games in 2000 summer olympics he wasn't part of the ceremony um and then he he died in 2006 and the two men smith and carlos were both pallbearers at his funeral which i think is nice but there's a statue on san jose state campus 
that depicts the two of them and there's an empty third spot which is partly so that people could like you know stand there and take pictures with it i'm sure but also because it wasn't about the australian even though he was obviously a good person um but there's a statue depicting them raising their fists on the san jose state campus in honor of that because they were san jose state students so i always thought that was really cool yeah that is really cool I think that's actually a really nice thing to end end this this topic on. Uh, unless you have anything else to to, to talk about. No, nope, nothing Cause specific. Because you, know, you know we've done our thing of going over time, like we always do, mm-hmm. which is fine. Honestly, <laughs> this like, shouldn't surprise anyone at this point. Doesn't surprise anybody. I'm just the one who has to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But I, 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 I love going over these topics. Um, speaking of topics, though, if you have any topics specifically that you'd like us to talk about, we take from, like, topical things and things we're interested in all the time, but we'd love to hear what you you guys are interested in and what we what we could look into for you guys. So, yeah, you can find us in the Nerdsmith Discord, which you can find links to on nerdsmith.org mm-hmm. or on Twitter. Just search Nerdsmith. You'll find us. Um yeah uh we hope you're all doing well we will be back hopefully on a regular schedule barring no issues with hosting services fingers crossed um fingers crossed um soon with another topic we love you very much um yeah um heather's now just sending me cute images of these uh, (laughs) mascots and they are really cute Mm -hmm. they are really cute so uh but yeah on that note enjoy whatever you're getting up to if you're watching the olympics great hope you enjoy it and we will talk to you all very soon bye guys bye thank you for listening to this week's episode of geek thyself don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the nerdsmith network if you have any questions for either of us you can get in contact with us on twitter at geek underscore thyself you can also email us at geek thyself at nerdsmith.org and please don't forget to go to itunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts we'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode and until then don't forget to geek thyself geek thyself